Welcome to the Cubed Audio Show. Whether you are an entrepreneur, an influencer, a sole trader, starting your first business or currently running a successful business, Cubed's got you covered. We discuss topics around accountancy, tax, business advice, raising investment, helping you to manage your wealth, and marketing to scale your business. Before we start we would like to inform you all our audio shows are subject to be recorded. By accepting an invitation to speak you are granting us permission to record your presence. So let's get this show started. So I've got a first question, Mac. The question I have for, for yourself and Richard, that we're coming on to the New Year's 2022. From tax point of view, from wealth management point of view, from business point of view, what would be your three biggest tips for entrepreneurs, for business owners and self-employed people? Well, I was just simply going to say, start now. Get in contact with your, um, your cubed rep and uh, start getting your information out and organized. So it's an awful lot easier to make better decisions when um, you know, you're not watching the clock tick down on the 31st of January, which has historically been the case. I mean, when you get into January and everyone is rushing to file various returns, it gets to such a such a state in uh, cubed offices that you know pr- p- people coming on wanting to be new clients, they have to effectively pay premium rates to sort of to get in and under because otherwise we just physically haven't got the hours and the manpower. So I would say lay your things out for the tax year that you've just left early. You know, if you're if you're leaving it to January, probably too late. Start thinking about it now. Give yourself uh, an unexpected Christmas present, a trip to your uh, friendly accountant. The amount of people who um, who leave self-assessments to the last minute, it, it's ridiculous, it's astounding really still. I mean, they, they reckon that on the 1st of February each year, the government make £100 million in fine because of that £100 fine. And it's almost impossible to get that revoked. Um yeah, I mean, I'd probably just reiterate that point is speak to someone sooner. It's never really as difficult, you know, when you do get the advice. Um, the other thing, especially for self-employed, I'm advising them to set up a separate bank account for their business. A lot of sole traders who are, you know, bouncing around from job to job, be it on construction or um, production. There's another one that we've got quite a few clients is they just get all their income paid into their, their normal current account. And they just traders that i would get i would encourage people to have a separate account it gets you disciplined in what costs are allowable it makes the uh, the job for the accountant a lot easier it also allows you to see roughly profit and loss um you know it's, it's just a lot easier to do and all these accounts these starlin accounts um tied they're so easy to set up now there's another one called metal which is with nat west that they were presenting to us, which is very similar to, but it's backed by NatWest, so it's more of a high street. But it allows you to set up bank accounts quickly and um, it's all online. Yeah, so that would be my biggest tip. Um, the other tip, of course, as we always reiterate, is get some accounting software. So, you know, we're big fans of Zero and QuickBooks and we're encouraging people to, to use that software. I mean, us at Q, because we've got so many subscriptions, we get a large discount. We're able to, you know, pass that discount on to clients, but you know, clients are able to get it, you know, uh, apply for their own. They'll just pay a slight premium on it. Um, 
but it allows you to run your business as well. It allows us as the accountants just make e- make this easier decisions in terms of preparing your accounts. And it allows us more time to finalize the accounts and then speak to you about them. You know, maybe where there's been mistakes in the previous year, so it'd be easier going forward or opportunities that it might be able to do going forward or even opportunities they might have missed by not reaching out, you know. It, that's the worst thing. Me in particular, I, you know, really feel bad when a client has made a decision which there was a more tax efficient or company efficient or even cash flow efficient decision that could have been taken if they reached out. You know, we always encourage, you know, we don't charge for calls unlike a lot of firms. You know, me and Richard trained at the, the big firms where it was every 15 minutes you had to fill in a timesheet and someone had to pay for everything. But we, we kind of set up cubes on the premise that we wouldn't do that. And we, we've stuck to it, luckily, because we've got some good staff members. But we always encourage clients to uh, to reach out. So I will continue that in 2022. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, another thing, when you mentioned a few of the banks, basically, Toy, let's say I started up a business now, okay? So I'm all set up. Now I'm looking, I'm shopping around to open a business bank account. You mentioned Toyd, Starling, and Metal. Out of all these bank accounts, which is available and quite easy to set up as well online, which one would, would you see it as, as a most reliable bank for the startups? Um, we've had personal experience with Tide. and They were actually our very first bank account when we first started. You know, very impressed by them. There's a few issues when other customers try to pay because I believe they haven't been credit referenced. Now, however, um, in the last few days, they've upgraded to be part of the FCA. Um, I received some emails on it, so that might have changed. But sometimes you'll see a credit warning come up when you try and pay from the high street bank to a to a tide. They've been very good. The advantage with them is they're probably the quickest to set up. Um, the other advantage is they allow sub accounts. You can create four sub accounts within a matter of seconds, which allows sometimes budgeting. Um, or, or different cost centers, different or teams. Tax, or, or tax planning, you know, putting or, money aside for the VAT. Yeah. And that, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I've forgotten about that. I mean, having four accounts all on the same phone with the same secure ID, but with different names, different, and a different account number against the same sort code. That's, uh, that's something that I think they're probably quite unique on that at the moment. Yeah, it's the, the speed they can do it. You know, Starling don't allow um sub accounts uh, starling are allowing international accounts now i see um you know they've all got their advantages i think the the best thing about it is is the speed um you know you can just get a bank account set up pretty quickly uh tide don't answer the phone so there isn't actually someone you can speak to but they're very good on the chats um starling do have a line and if you wait on hold you will get there uh metal we haven't got that much experience however they are that west um we are working a lot closer with NatWest recently and, you know, we've been really impressed by them. So, and don't forget also, we've, you know, we've had a few dabbles with Revolut and Monza, but that typically is better for folk who are, you know, thinking, you know, not necessarily all in Sterling because they do have some quite effective, you know, currency, uh, currency services in there. I mean, obviously as you get larger, um, you should normally be able to you get yourself an account with one of the regular high street banks. It's It sort of sounds a bit old-fashioned, but sometimes people you're dealing with, suppliers, customers, 
still will see, you know, a bank account with Barclays or a bank account with HSBC for some bizarre reason as, as being, you know, more of a, a validation or almost underwriting your credibility, which of course is daft given HSBC's track record in particular. And I think, in fact, most of them have got uh, one or two uh, skeletons in their closet. Nat West got fined, I think, 230 million the other day. But, you know, it's, it's, it's data security. It's, it's, it's the value of the big capitalized banks, which are more of a perception now than a reality. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say we haven't really had any major issues with any of the challenger banks. So on the basis of quick turnaround, handy and those sub accounts very 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 useful probably tied major's digit from starling what do you think yeah probably i mean the, the other advantage with you know it's a, it's a gradual progression when you first start you always start with these challenger banks but you know gradually you do move up to a high street bank because if you're looking for finance you know if you're looking for a mortgage or anything like that they've got your history you know, you've been trading with them for a year, two years, three years, whatever it is, and they can see it. And, you know, you're more appealing for either business finance or maybe even personal finance, you know. So they can do it. Obviously, Starling have started doing loans, but not huge amounts. Tide don't. So if you're looking for that, uh, you've got to gradually just move over to the, the high street at some stage. I mean, we will never not go without having a, a, a challenger bank because, you know, they've been, they've been really good to us. But, you know, gradually you just do find yourself moving over to a, a more high street bank. Brilliant. That was a, that was a good answer. And now moving on to our, our main topic, this is something that I wanted to ask you because I need to gain some knowledge in that area as well, which is for mortgages for startups or not even startups for business owners and self-employed people because that seems to be getting harder and harder and what are the best way and uh, to achieve that if i wanted to get or if somebody else wanted to get a mortgage or what would be your tip or advice on that topic well i'm i'm just going to segue into this one because um we have someone on the line, don't we, Mark, who um, recently had to go through that very process himself. That's and, right. Um, you know, and I think we learned one or two lessons doing that. But ultimately, it's true to say that there'll be brokers out there promising everyone the world. But ultimately, the broker is just a conduit. I really do advise any small business owner looking to borrow, especially to you know for a, for a mortgage, for a domestic home, to you know to, to go and talk with their accountant, sit sit down because you know we have the experience. We know now what the banks are looking for. You know there was a time when it was about affordability, then there was a time when it was about you know equity or you know whether or not you had enough deposit, and the broker will just do what they do best, which is take a, a cut out the middle. Ultimately, it'll be your accountant who provides those three years of self-assessment returns, two years of, you know, filed tax returns. On occasion, uh, you know, a good accountant, someone who's got a, who's been through the, the process before, can probably get you something um, when you don't have such a long track record. I mean. No, what's didn't didn't you deal with someone the other day where 
you were quite surprised that with just one year's trading history, because of the way uh, you were able to present it, you were able to get a deal done? Yeah, the um, I will say the mortgages for self-employed people, you know, they are, uh, they're being encouraged. Well, they're going to have to be encouraged because there is more business owners out there now. It's just the fact, you know, getting a mortgage for someone on PAYE, very easy. Last three months, bank slips, you know, credit rating, go from there. They, they do ask for more information on um, on self-employed people, such as, you know, information on the company that you work for or or anything like that. So there is a, you just need to be prepared that you are going to have to get a lot more paperwork. Um, but this particular client was self-employed, uh, had a, a fairly poor, uh, 18, 19. Um, no, actually it wasn't, it was 1920 was fairly poor. 18, 19 was really bad. And then we did his 2021 accounts, um, which was a good year. And then we provided a forecast based on what we knew up to, I think it was the end of October for the next year. And he was able to get a mortgage based on that first year or sorry, that one good year at 1.79%. You know, it, it still amazed me um, how it worked, but it was, it, it worked. And, you know, I think that was Bank of Ireland that were doing it. And, you know, they are there to help now. They are encouraging it. The other big advantage it is that there is now when you had a limited company, let's say I was used Aussie Limited. So Aussie Limited had a hundred thousand pound profit and Aussie wanted to get a mortgage on it. Previously, that hundred thousand had to be paid out to Aussie. So actually physically you pay the corporation tax, but it also had to be paid out to Aussie's account. So he would also pay income tax on that. However, they changed the rules now. So now they say, right, Aussie during the year has received, you know, twelve thousand pounds for his uh, his salary, which is taken advantage of his personal allowance. He's also received his £2,000 dividend, which again is tax free and maybe a little bit more, whatever. Um, but there's a hundred grand left in the company. Now, that hundred grand will still attract corporation tax, but a mortgage company will now look at it and say, right, well, Aussie owns a hundred percent of that company. So technically, if he wanted to, he could take that all. So that forms part of his earnings. So when they look at it, they go, right, Aussie got £12,000. He took £10,000 dividend as well. But you could also add that £100,000 onto your earnings. And they'll use that as a multiple, which allows you to borrow a lot more if need be. Um, you know, there's other great things out there like professional uh, mortgages, which is, you know, for accountants, architects, um, uh, lawyers. Uh, what else was on that list? There's a good few things. Um, but, but they get up to seven times as a multiple. You know, there is a lot more stuff. Uh, again, like Richard said, you are going to really need your accountant. And this, again, reiterates my first point, planning. If we know you're looking for something, if you know you're going to be either renting a place or buying a place in the year, next year or even two years' time, plan. We can make things a lot easier if we know that that's the case. You know, we know what needs to be shown. We know what tax needs to be paid, but we need to have an idea of it. The amount of people who come to us at the end of, you know, a month and go, right, well, I'm going to buy a house. But the prior year looks terrible. You know, and it, you know, you can't go back and change that. So just a bit of planning would um, definitely benefit. 
very useful answer. I have to, I must admit, you know, for that, I have to, I have to give you this. Genuinely, this is something, um, obviously I've learned something from the answer anyway. Baraj, is, is there anything you, you like to ask or have you got anything on mind? Uh, yeah, actually with, with relation to mortgages, slightly off topic, but, um, if you, if you get a mortgage or if you purchase a property through a limited company, which is separate to you, obviously working self-employed or employed, does that property's uh, income also go into your pot of your general income and therefore something which would be accounted for in your taxes? No, because the, uh, the legal entity owns that property, it is there it is that entity that collects the income um so the rent and any costs associated so when the company or when when they decide to sell that property it will be the company that receives that gain now you might own that company 100% but it's whatever you declare as a a dividend from that company that will be reflected on your personal self assessment um and obviously beware when you do purchase a company in a, a limited company, it will attract additional stamp duty. However, if you are looking to sell that property, um, or, or let's say you put that company in that limited company and you want to get rid of it, or you've developed it or whatever you've done with it, you can sell the whole company itself. So which will include the asset and whoever buys that will be paying 0.5% stamp duty. So it's very attractive to the purchaser. Um, however, you've taken the hit at the beginning, so it's run exactly the same as the uh, as normal companies, and whatever income you take out of it goes on your self assessment. There's lots of tax planning with property. You know, if you're a property development company, there's a lot to be said about having a management company that runs the rental for all of them. There's a lot to be said for having if, if these are uh, development projects. There's a lot to be said for having a, a special purpose vehicle. You probably heard the, the term an SPV. Well, that's what it is for each of the properties because you can run the costs. There might also be different uh, VAT treatments. It might be new build. There might be s some rooms. You know, Richard's got some experience where one wall qualified for 5% and another wall was 0%. You know, there's lots of little rules on that. So, um, yeah, there's lots of tax planning and lots of tax saving that could be done on uh, properties. Yeah, and I'm just going to add something to what... If we go back three paragraphs, when Mike was talking about um, owner-managed businesses and what lenders are looking at, something quite interesting this afternoon came up, which is going along the same lines, and that was where valuing a business and you know traditional models will talk about maybe dividends or they'll talk about gross assets or they'll talk about valuing a business based on forecast but i was looking through some historics this is, was in relation to um the flower selling business actually and i was looking at some research that had been done in america and they were saying that the most used method business in america of value under three million dollars is what they call seller's discretionary cash flow and it's it's effectively a man in the pub version of the EBITDA that everyone used to get self-obsessed about, but nobody really understood. And in fact, it was completely pointless because it wasn't truly about 
free cash flow in a business valuation sense now, as well as in a mortgage lending sense, people are focusing on sellers' discretionary cash flow. I he had a hundred thousand, but he chose to only take twenty, and but we're going to give him full credit for that eighty. And it's the same in the business. You know, if you've had a had a business that's generated again a cash flow of two hundred thousand, but you've chosen you know, to pay that in a dividend or you've chosen to invest that in CapEx or you've decided to refinance another one of your businesses, all of those things you had a choice over and they're not actually economic fundamentals of the business you're trying to value. So you say, well, you know, we're going we're to row upstream, go back to the point at which the business itself had ceased generating cash and say everything thereafter was personal circumstances. And a lot of lenders and a lot of borrowers are going to benefit from that, I think, over the next couple of years. So um, go back to the basics, which is how much cash did your business generate? How much cash did you as a business owner generate? And what choices did you have? So I'll, I'll just add that in because that was something that popped up this afternoon. That's great. Thank you. Um, I, I think the only other question I had really was because I deal with a lot of self-employed uh, workers with, with my company and a lot of them get to that stage once they've worked for a few years where they want to get a mortgage and they want to get a property and it's been traditionally hard for them because they haven't been working for that long, maybe one year or two years. And the general consensus they get back from the banks when they speak to them is that they need to be showing a couple of years worth of accounts um, or they need to be employed by by a reputable uh, employer and be able to show six, 12 months, maybe worth of pay slip. Um, but I'm getting the impression from what you guys said that maybe those things have changed now and uh, it's not necessarily based on the amount of years you've been working, but more so um, how much you're earning. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would... I would say that there's, there's probably two or three things there. I mean, there is definitely a mood shift. There is definitely a change. And there's almost a waking up of the fact that, as Mark was saying, people are in need of finance. People are in need of help to, to buy a home. They're in need of help in places to buy businesses. And people are going, hang on a sec. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, to do this. You know, because on the one hand, they say, oh, let's give you nice, stable employment uh, with 87 pay slips. But then they still want to see three months bank statements. Well, why don't we just cut to the chase and see the three months bank statements and see what they tell us about what's going to happen next month rather than sitting on your laurels. I mean, I think COVID has shaken a few people up because this expectation that secure office-based banking, lawyers, accountancy was going to last forever and all that ever happened was your salary went up has been, has been shaken a little bit. And so now they're saying, well, actually, if you're generating money, we're just purely going to judge you on what's happened in the last three months or the last six months. Mark's point there about Bank of Ireland, I mean, just to repeat it, you know, one year's track record, 1.79% self-employed person. That, that's phenomenal. And that is going to be where people start to direct themselves now because everybody's going to have the same story. Well, you had a bit of a bad 2020. Well, you know. No shit, Sherlock. You, know, you may be familiar with this, this virus thing that was going around at the time. Ditto 21, on, off, on, off. You know, have a party, don't have a party. Have another jab, don't have another jab. You know, everybody is being disrupted. So the here and now is far more important than what happened in 2020. 
And I think everybody was having the same story, you know, good year, bad year, very bad year, doing okay now. So they're just going to cut to the chase. It's almost like they're drawing a mental, emotional, financial line in the sand at the start of this year and going, okay, let's just reset, guys. You know, we'll judge you on everything you've tried to do and everything you're achieving today. And I think that's a really, really positive trend that's emerging and certainly one that's going to help dozens, if not hundreds, of our clients. On the on the payslip um, thing you mentioned there, what I'm seeing a lot of people are asking for are three months payslips, but also a copy of the contract to prove that they've passed probation. Now, provided you've got that and they can vouch it to a bank statement, mortgages are just being put through, um, you know, being pushed through without even any questions. The one thing I'll always say is really key, you know, is look after your credit. You know, I don't think that is reiterated enough, even at school, even at secondary school level. Um, it really should be because bad credit or, you know, relying on finance or putting yourself in a position where you're getting a default will result in you having to pay several percent more on a mortgage. You know, it's not impossible, but several percent more or you're just being pushed clean out. And it's like, no, because there's so many other people out there that do have good credit. So I would really reiterate that, you know, I would encourage people to pay the £14.99 you know, a month or even every quarter, just check your credit score and just have a look because there's often things on there that you didn't even know about that would really damage you for years to come. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with many things that Martin Lewis has to say uh, of Money Supermarket, the guy who made 100 million flogging leads to utility companies, but he's absolutely right on this. He says, poor credit means expensive borrowing. You know, and Mark said that that is not a hypothetical. That is a real world example. That is not being able to access 1.49% 10 year mortgage rate if you've got an excellent credit history. It's saying we might lend to you at 9% if you've got a poor credit history. Now, over the life of a 10 year loan, you know, everyone can do the maths on that, and that is going to drain you and it's going to hurt. And both me and Mark, we, uh, we, you know, we used to border on obsessional about it, but now we've fairly well established uh, ways of understanding how the three main credit agencies apply their metrics. And by the way, they're different. They're, they're, their models are slightly different. Uh, but Experian, which is the fourteen ninety five a month that Mark spoke of, you've got Equifax. And then you've got the American giant, but twice as incompetent agency, TransUnion, that, you know, you, you know, you're probably better off just to leave alone because we, we have spent days and weeks that we're never going to get back arguing with them about emissions of data. You know, these, people, these are people who sell your personal data and then claim they have no responsibility for it because we only get the data from other sources. So if you make sure that your data is clean and coming down the pipe. If you've got Experian covered, 80% of lenders are going to click on Experian. The other 20% are going to click on Experian and Equifax. So there's the, I don't know if you, if you guys are aware as well, you've also got things like ClearScore and Credit Karma, <coughs> excuse me, which are sort of consolidation engines, which sit above uh, 
the credit agencies and give a hybrid sort of blended rate the interpretation of how all the agencies simultaneously see you and whilst they're a little bit less scientific what they do do is they they're very good at showing you trends and they're very very good at showing you where your credit uh, score is moving now we were quite shocked a few months ago when some of the credit agencies started offering to increase your credit score for £49 or £99, which to me looked as though it was flying in the face of what they're meant to represent, which is a true estimation of your credit worthiness. They seem to be selling you an upgrade to go from good to excellent or from fair to good simply by paying a sum of money. But we haven't really ever got to the bottom of that. But, it, it, you know, it did have an effect for a while and everybody was lifted up, which goes back to Mark's point at the very start, which was there are plenty of people out there who have been managing their credit rating and therefore will be accessing those those decent rates. And so why would a lender want to lend to somebody who's scoring 700 when they can lend to someone who's scoring 900? they the same return. There's so many, um, we're getting loads of clients, younger clients who are, um, let's call them Instagram clients that set up their businesses. And, you know, they really just didn't care about their credit. And, you know, they're, they're trying to just build their business and credit, you know, it's a bad attitude to credit some, some of the youngsters that are out there. And as soon as you start getting successful with your business, the first thing you want to do is get, get a property. So, you know, it doesn't really matter about the results because they just look at the credit of this person. So, you know, again, I just can't reiterate enough how much you should just just be conscious of it and just keep an eye on it. Yeah, ton of value today. I've been taking down notes as well. So thanks very much, Mark and Richard. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add on before we wrap up? Is there anything you'd like to, to say, Mark or Richard? We learned a few things this week. Um. You know, we're not, we're, we've never made ourselves out to be property experts. We, you know, we, we support a lot of clients who work in the property sphere. But uh, we discovered today that if you're leasing a property, a commercial lease, and you enter into that lease, you can end up having to donate money to Rishi Sunak's favorite charity based on five years net present value of your future rents times 1%. Thanks for coming. And uh, that was something I learned this week, that stamp duty can get you where you least expect to find them. Yeah, I mean, we've got some exciting stuff going on at Cubes. Obviously, we're moving to a new office uh, this week, which is going to be huge. Um, and then we're going to be uh, expanding. We've just recently started working with an Irish partner as well, uh, which is uh, great. And he's going to be helping us with a few of our clients that are, set up, are setting up Irish businesses. So uh, onwards and upwards for uh, Cubed. Brilliant, brilliant. What an amazing news. Guys, so with that, we wrap up and we, both, we will be back next Wednesday on a live show on the Clubhouse. And we will find a topic that, that people are asking for and we'll provide, keep providing tons of value and and a lot of a lot of a lot of content for everybody you know thanks very much guys and have a great evening you've got plans ideas dreams to achieve great things and leave your mark on the world 
Whether you are an entrepreneur, an influencer, a sole trader, starting your first business, or a seasoned business owner and leader, reaching your goals can be difficult to do on your own. Give yourself the best chance for success by removing worry and stress. After all, you spend a lot of your time working, so you need to make every minute count. Cubed Consultancy is large enough to meet all your financial needs, but still small enough to know your name when you call. We give each of our clients the individual attention they deserve. Finances might seem boring and time-consuming for you, but they aren't for us. From accountancy and bookkeeping, to tax and payroll services, business advice, raising investment, and even helping you to manage your wealth. Cubed's got you covered. We help our clients save time so they can achieve freedom. So focus on what you want. Focus on what you love. Dream big. Innovate. And create. And take some time for yourself. Leave the rest to us.